0: Good morning, everybody. Week four of the Dad's Class looks like we are staying pretty strong. So I was uh, I was sitting with my wife last night, and we were having a discussion about one of our sons, and I was venting and li- venting maybe a tad about some of my frustrations with this young man. And the whole time I was saying it, I realized his issues are my issues. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you're talking with your, your wife or you're talking about your kids and you're going, God, just this, this part of, my, of whichever son I'm talking about, that just frustrates me so bad. And she had this look on her face like, that's you. That, that's because it's you. She didn't say that, but I knew she was thinking it the whole time. And so the, the mirror of parenting when you see something in your kids, it's like when you're disciplining them and you're so angry with them because they were so out of control and so they were so frustrated at something and then you're getting really frustrated with them. Last night, I uh, one of my other sons, I was in the car and we were trying to find where we were going and I got frustrated because I couldn't figure out I'm, I'm the king of not, of getting lost. And so even with an iPhone and Maps and all that kind of stuff. And so we're in the car and I'm getting frustrated and I thought, that's exactly... The sun hides with, that's his issue. He gets frustrated, he kinda, and I thought, man, I'm modeling that for him. So later on, as we're having that counseling time, as we're going to bed, I just said, hey, hey, buddy, I said, man, I just did not lead very well today with you. I did not give you a good example of how to handle when things don't go well, because guess what? In life, things aren't going to go well a lot of times. And so I don't beat myself up over that, but it's a good opportunity for me to say, hey, buddy, that, I just missed it, and I hope... You can remind, we talked about last night. I said, We have an opportunity to either be a a thermostat or a thermometer. I said, We can set the temperature of the room by the way that we respond to things, and we can do that in a way that honors Christ, or we can just be someone that whatever tough circumstances come, we just let the temperature of the room affect us, and then we don't help anybody in the room. We just react to everything that's going on. That's a great lesson for us as dads. We're either a thermostat, we set the temperature or a thermometer, and whatever you come into tonight, you're going to come home to probably some drama of some kind, and you'll have a chance to either set the temperature or react to it and let it affect you and watch it go south quickly. So lots of challenges of being a dad. I'm challenged every day, and I'm so glad that you guys are here again for week four, and this week we get to hear from my good friend uh, Wes Butler. Wes has been on staff with us at Watermark for the last 12 years, And he directs us in our children's and family ministry. And if you guys have uh, been around, those of you who have younger kids, my kids have benefited greatly from the children's ministry here at Watermark. It has been an amazing supplement to our parenting. It isn't our parenting, it isn't our parenting strategy, but it's been an amazing piece of how God has uh, discipled our boys through others and hopefully through us. So uh, please welcome Wes Butler to stage this Morning.
1: all right thank you braun great job Uh, good morning guys um well, hey, uh, let me just start off this morning just by saying thank you to you guys and uh, just how encouraging it has been to us just to come in here every week. I think Braun made a joke last week about wondering if the attendance numbers would dip to about half based off of his teaching a couple of weeks ago. And, um, and so, but it really has been encouraging just to see you guys continue to show up, continue to um, give us feedback. And so I'm, just as I'm bumping into some of you uh, on Sundays and throughout the week, thank you for just the kind words about the class and the speakers and how impactful it's been. Uh, It's been really fun just to receive emails and know that some of you guys, and I want to kind of put this bug in your ear a little bit, but some of you guys are already on your own saying, hey, I want to do this somewhere else. And so I know I have guys that are going to do this with the dads on their baseball team. There's some guys that are uh, uh, one of the guys in here. I don't know if Adam's in here, but he's about to move his family to Florida. And so he's already planning on taking this curriculum and teaching it to uh, some of the guys that will be at the school that he's leading uh, this next year. And so uh, the resources are available for you guys to do something like that. And so all the book, we're trying to put the PDF online with uh, each week's lesson. So when we post the audio, that's there. The PDF is there. So just something to think about. Hey, who else could benefit from this that might not walk into the doors at Watermark Community Church and uh, could benefit from this? And so anyway, uh, thank you guys for uh, just doing that. Uh, One of the reasons I want to share with you that this uh, I think this is so uh, crucially important that we get dads in a room and we talk about this. Uh, I read a book several years ago now called... Uh, Gospel-Powered Parenting by William Farley. And as I was reading through that book, there's a chapter in there, Two Dads, and he referenced this uh, study that was done in 2003. And so it was uh, uh, just kind of a survey that was done, actually in Switzerland of all places, uh, in 2003, where they just asked the question uh, of, hey, what is the impact that a mom or dad and specifically just their attendance at church has on uh, the, the faith of their children as they grow up. And so, again, this is just whether they go to church or not. This doesn't have anything to do with how they engage at home or how they disciple. It was just about uh, how uh, whether they go to church or not. And so, Josh, put that chart up. It's, it's just a very, uh, you know, if you're a mom, uh, this is rather discouraging, quite honestly. When I shared it with my wife, she was like, well, I don't like that chart. I was like, well, I I didn't make it up. I mean, someone did the research here, but it's just really telling. So you can see up here, you know, so if mom and dad are regular attenders at church, hey, kids are going to continue 33%. Now I would say, let me just disclaimer this, on that right side is rather low uh, because again, we're just talking about whether they go to church or not. So if you were to ask, hey, are you intentional at home? I would know that that percentage would go up. But look, the father's attendance, if if dad is not practicing and mom is a regular attender, only 2% of kids... Continue on in the church and participating in the church, 2%. Versus if you just kind of go down and you see that that uh, dad is a regular attender and mom is not practicing, like doesn't have a faith. It's like 44%. It's the highest percentage. <laughs> of kids who stick with their faith. And it's just kind of this weird, and so uh, that is not a, uh, uh, an encouragement to go marry a non-believer, okay? So just to be clear, uh, that, that's not what we're advocating here. But but really, it's just an illustration of just how vital your role is as a dad. And that God really did set us up to be the leader of our home and, and to use bronze terminology there, to be the thermostat in our home and the temperature that we set, our kids are watching, they're paying attention And they're following us. And so uh, that's just kind of free info this morning before we jump into what we're going to talk about. But why we think this is so important to gather a bunch of men in the room and to talk about our role as dads. We have a tremendous impact and a tremendous responsibility that God has entrusted to us. And so we want to be faithful in it. Uh, Let me pray for us. And then we're going to dive into what we're talking about today. So, Lord, uh, it is good to be uh, with these men and, and to... Lord, have the chance just to spend some time in your word, encouraging, uh, one another, encouraging ourselves, uh, just through, uh, the truth of your word, through the, uh, ministry of your spirit to us. And, uh, and then just, uh, alongside of the community of other believers, other fellow strugglers, uh, in this adventure called parenting. And so we thank you God for the gift of being able to be together. And, uh, and we pray Lord that you would just speak to our hearts this morning, specifically as we talk about this idea of discipline and, um, it is uh, one of the uh, the scariest things for us it 's one of the things that whether we like it or not continues to come up and we just we want to be faithful God we want to be faithful and so will you help us this morning? will you teach us and uh, and show us what you want us um, uh, to see this morning? We pray in christ 's name amen. Alright, well, uh, about once a year, I have the privilege of hopping on a plane and heading over to Africa and specifically um, uh, go to Ethiopia. And so Ethiopia is really kind of my second. Uh, home in a lot of ways. I have two children who uh, are adopted from Ethiopia. If you don't know my family, uh, all four of my kiddos uh, come to our family through the miracle and gift of adoption. But uh, my two youngest are adopted from Ethiopia. So I have a special place in my heart for that country and then have gotten to lead uh, a number of our trips over there to serve and minister in the villages there to share the gospel with uh, folks. And so every year when we go, uh, we go during what is known as rainy season over there. And so as we're listening, to the rainfall outside right now, uh, you know, uh, we, we show up during rainy season and so it, it's a little bit of a, uh, of a, a dicey situation for us because we never know exactly what the weather is going to do, when the rain's going to come. During rainy season, all that means is that you're pretty much guaranteed it's going to rain sometime during the day. It's just a matter of when and for how long. And so a lot of times it'll come in at the night and the Lord kind of parts the waters for us, so to speak, and we have a great day and it's beautiful and sunshiny, but a lot of times we're going out into the villages and it just dumps on us. I mean, just these torrential downpours. And the areas that we're going to are these rural communities. And, uh, and so when you're driving out, you're seeing tons and tons of farmland and people uh, sowing seed and uh, oxen who are dra- dragging plows through the dirt to try to till the soil. And so when we go to Ethiopia and we walk into those villages and the rain comes, everybody on our team goes, oh, man. Because we want the people to come out, we want them to, you know, uh play soccer with us, we, we uh and we know that the rain is going to force them back inside their homes, their huts, and, and and we're not gonna have the chance to do it. And yet uh what we see in there is uh that we're we're in a farmland, and so while our uh perspective on this is, man, what a nuisance that it's raining today, they're saying, Boy, I sure am glad that it's raining today. Because they're they're the ones who have planted seeds. They're the ones who have tilled the soil. They've worked hard. And they know that as much as they want to do, if the rain doesn't come, they're in big trouble. And so uh, a a few uh, months ago, I was introduced to this real simple poem by a a gal named Lucy Shaw. And and I think it's appropriate uh, for us this morning as we think about this uh, thing called discipline. And the poem just reads like this. It's right up behind me. She just writes... Planting seeds inevitably changes my feelings about rain. Planting seeds inevitably changes my feeling about rain. And so, what we have been talking about in here the last three weeks, and John let us in last week, is this idea of train is really hey, we're, we're planting seeds of faith in the lives of our kids. And so, while last week was kind of this proactive uh, uh, effort, hey, what are we doing proactively? We're not just reacting to the world around us, but how are we being proactive to plant seeds in the lives of our kids? I think the challenges that we face as dads in the area of discipline are really the rain that comes that waters that ground that we've planted those seeds in. And yet, if if we are not being intentional as dads, what we see those challenges as is just challenges. It's like me walking into a village in Ethiopia and just going, man, it's just raining and now I can't do what I want to do. Anybody ever had that feeling as a dad? Hey, I had my whole evening planned out and then that kid went ballistic and now I can't do what I want to do. Now, now it's ruined my plans for the evening. Uh, perhaps you've had great plans with your kids. Hey kids, we're going to go and, you know, uh, go, go to this ice cream place. And then one of your kids just loses it and you go, oh, what do I do? Do we keep going to the ice cream place or not? And now I'm frustrated because I wanted to go to the ice cream place, whether they did or not is irrelevant at this point. I wanted to get my sea salt caramel and they've just ruined it by throwing their fit. And all of a sudden I've forgotten that I've planted seeds, and I need the rains to come. And these are teachable moments. And so what we're going to look at today, I'm going to ask you, if you have your Bibles on your phone or whatever, open up your Bible. And we're just going to look at a passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 12 that has been instrumental for me personally in just helping me to think through this idea of discipline. Uh, quite honestly, just in my own life, first and foremost. And then in the way that it impacts uh, how I think about kids. Kind of the, the subtitle. Uh, of today's lesson is uh, from Hebrews twelve eleven, which just talks about um, yielding the the peaceful fruit of righteousness, a harvest of righteousness. And so what does it look like for us as dads to yield a harvest of righteousness uh, from our kids? And how does discipline help us to get there? And so what I want us to do in Hebrews 12 is I want to give you five principles from Hebrews 12 that uh, just real quickly, that, uh, that I think help, are helpful to me as I think about this thing called discipline. And then what I want us to do is spend a little bit of time looking practically at, hey, if God disciplines us this way, how ought we to evaluate our own discipline here? Okay. So Hebrews 12, we're going to start in verse three. And so verses three and four say this. It says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So let's just stop there. And so principle number one is just this, is that we are sinners raising sinners. Uh, Let's just be clear. Your kids are not headed in the right direction and neither are you. None of us are going to stumble into righteousness. And so if we're going to produce a harvest of righteousness, none of us are just going to accidentally get there. We are sinners who are headed in the wrong direction. Throughout our Bibles, it tells us that there is no one righteous, not even one. And so none of us are about to stumble into this thing and our kids are sinners and we are sinners too. And so it's kind of this crazy economy that God has set up where he has looked at you and me and said, hey, I know you're not perfect and I know you're as much of a mess as your four-year-old, but would you shepherd this four-year-old? So we have to acknowledge our own weakness and we have to acknowledge in that weakness that we are not the savior for our kids. So if we are sinners raising sinners, that has massive implications that remind us that, hey, I I am not my child's hope. I am not my child's hope. There is one who is. And how am I doing at pointing my kids towards him? So principle number one, real simply, is just this. We are sinners raising sinners. And so let's go on. So Hebrews 12 verse 5 says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? And so principle number two, real quick, on discipline is just this, that discipline is evidence of the presence of love. Discipline is evidence of the presence of love. Uh, you know, one of, uh, I, I would tell you guys this for my own personal walk with Christ. This verse has brought more comfort and peace to me than perhaps any other as uh, as a follower of Christ. Because I don't know if you're like me, but I, I experience the discipline of the Lord seemingly every day. Or I'm reminded of previous discipline that God has kindly given to me and how it has shaped me. And so one of the ways that I am assured on a regular basis that I am loved by my father is that he doesn't let me get away with my sin. He doesn't let me get away with my sin. There's a conviction of the spirit that comes when I open God's word and I see in his word instruction that just kind of gets me in the heart. I'm reminded that his word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it is piercing to the spirit because God loves me, and he doesn't want me to continue in my sin. And so the presence of discipline is evidence of love, and it ought to bring us great joy and security. And can I tell you that for your children, discipline, while it is not fun in the moment, we all know that, is something that instills in them a sense of security that hey, my daddy loves me. And he loves me uniquely. You see, there's, there's behavior that goes on all around me. So I, Braun said I'm the director of children's ministry. So there's, you know, uh, 1,800 or so kids who run around this place uh, every weekend, uh, plus all the kids that are here throughout the week. And, and so there's a level of responsibility that I have for them. But I, I don't have the unique responsibility to them like I do to the four that God has entrusted to me. And so there's a unique love that comes because they are mine. So if you want to know, hey, am I, do I belong to God? Ask yourself, when was the last time that you really felt the Lord convicting your spirit, reminding you, sharpening you? When was the last time he sent friends to say, hey, I think you could be better. I think, I think there's something here that's not right. When was the last time your wife uh, kindly and gently said, hey, that hurt me? And it was a discipline from the Lord. Discipline is evidence of the presence of love. And so let's go on. Verse 8 says this, if you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. And so principle number three is just kind of the the counter to principle number two, which is just this, that the absence of discipline is abuse. The absence of discipline is abuse. And, And listen, that, that helps me at times when I am tempted just to go, Hey, let's just let that one slide. It's been a heavy day of discipline and maybe I just need to let that one slide and, and I really have to evaluate. Look, I, I do believe God's word tells us it is a glory to man to overlook an offense and that there are times where we ought to do that with our kids and just go, hey, that was small potatoes and so we're gonna kind of let that one slide but, but when I am tempted to get into a pattern of letting things slide, I need to be reminded, hey, that, that is as much uh, neglect as if I didn't feed them for the next three days. For me not to... Tell my kids, hey, don't do this. Hey, steer away from that. Hey, there's danger over here, is abuse. I've heard Todd use the analogy of just kind of the rules that God puts in place for us and how people want to avoid those rules. It's like, hey, what, you know, my kids want to play soccer. Soccer is great. But if I tell them, hey, go play on Central Expressway at about, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon on Monday, or if they ask me and I say, sure, that should be fine. CVS is knocking on my door, the police are coming, right? It's abusive. And so it is a father's responsibility to set up those parameters that do provide security to our children and provide structure and discipline for them. And so principle number one, we are sinners raising sinners. Principle number two, discipline is evidence of the presence of love. Principle number three, the absence of discipline is abuse. And so let's look at verse 9 and 10 in Hebrews 12. It says this, besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. So principle number 4, we're going to camp out for just a little bit here. It just says this, is that we are God's disciplinarian representatives. Second uh, Corinthians 5 says a little bit different. It says that we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors. We are his representatives. We are vice regents of the God of the universe who has entrusted to us this idea of what it means to be fathered and disciplined. And that is a crazy, crazy thing. There is nothing, uh, potentially nothing in the world that will affect your children's view of God as father so much as your um, example that you set to them. Uh, My wife uh, was raised in a single parent home and uh, and her father, I have had, uh, we've been married, it'll be 19 years this summer uh, and I have had, in 19 years, I have had one conversation with him on the phone and have never met him in person. She has not seen him since she was in first grade. And when Brandy shares her story and just her spiritual journey, you can be assured that that impacts the way that she views God and has and continues to. And her idea of who God is came from this absent father that she really never knew and who never really said, hey, you matter to me. And so she's wrestled kind of her whole life with this idea, hey, do I matter to God? Does he really love me? And by God's grace, she's uh, winning that battle, but it's a battle and you are God's representative and specifically in this area of discipline, you are setting your kids up to understand the discipline of God, to understand that it is a loving and good and generous thing for him to give those things to us. And so I love what John Piper. Uh, I read this blog post just recently that he wrote, and he says this. He says no one loves his children more than God does, and no one is more attentive to discipline us for our good. Every Christian parent should consider seriously that when our children are under our care, we are God's representatives to prepare them for their heavenly Father's discipline when they are no longer under ours. If they find God's discipline surprising, we may have left something undone. That's a bold statement. If our children find God's discipline surprising, it may be because we failed to represent him well. And so here's the, the crazy challenging thing about parenting, and specifically if we're looking at biblical parenting, is uh, you, you can't, there, there are the parenting, what I call the parenting pet passages. Uh, it's three Ps. Uh, you're going to see my Baptist roots coming out a lot today, but uh, there, there's the, the parenting pet passages where we want to go to Deuteronomy 6, which we've already gone to. We want to go to Proverbs 22, 6 and look at what it means to train up a child. We want to go to uh, Ephesians 6, 1. We love that one. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. And we want to go to those places and those are good places and they do help us to, to come to a place. But when we think about parenting, if you want to understand what it means to reflect who God is, you have to understand that the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, every step of it is a parenting manual because God is Father. And so every interaction that he has with his people, every interaction that he has from creation on is the act of a loving, perfect father. And so if we want to understand what it means to represent him, we need to understand God and we need to understand him through what he has revealed to us in his word. It is a crazy, challenging thing, but, but that is our call, is that when we read Scripture, and let me just encourage you that when you read Scripture, you ought to read it through the lens of a father. What is God trying to do here? What is he trying to teach his children? How is he disciplining them for their good? Why does that seem heavy-handed? I mean, those are some of the questions that you ought to be asking yourself as you just read through the journey this year. And so right here, I just want to give you six characteristics of what I believe godly discipline is just based off of the character of God, okay? And so this is not necessarily an exhaustive list by any stretch, but it is, these are six things that when I start to evaluate, hey, how am I doing as a parent? How am I doing at disciplining? These are six things that I look at. So the first, and there's six C's, like I said, it's my Baptist roots, forgive me, okay? So the first one is just this, one that it's calculated, Exodus 34, 6 and 7 is this moment where God just describes himself. He wasn't waiting for David or Moses or anybody else to describe him. He goes, hey, let me just tell you who I am. And he says this. He says, The Lord, the Lord of God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And so what that verse tells us, what that description of God and his character tells us is that God is thoughtful. He is always thinking. He is always planning. Now, what God has going for that we don't is that he is all seeing, all knowing. He knows what's coming next. And yet what he's asking us to do is to be purposeful and intentional. Guys, if there's one thing that I would encourage you to walk away from these five weeks with, it is, hey, am I just accidentally parenting my kids or am I being purposeful? Am I being intentional? Am I being calculated? Because God has a plan for you. You've heard that, right? Spending time in the church, you hear that all the time. Hey, God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. And that may just be a throwaway statement, but can I tell you, it's not just a throwaway statement. It is true. God has a plan for you. And he is working out that plan. Philippians 1.6 tells us that he started this good work in us and that he is faithful to complete it, which must mean that he's working. He's up to something. And so for us as dads, what does that look like? Well, that looks like us looking at our children, paying attention, developing a plan when it comes to discipline specifically. Hey, what are those areas that my kid struggles in and what are the consequences going to be when they struggle in those areas? And so to be thoughtful and purposeful and not just to wait and kind of come up with it on the fly when quite honestly you're angry, which we're going to talk about. And all of a sudden you're saying things and doing things that you're like, why did I just say that? And so God, God's discipline is calculated, is purposeful, it is intentional. The second thing here is really important. It's just that God's uh, discipline is connected Braun said it a couple of weeks ago. It's a great quote from Josh McDowell, where he says, hey, rules without relationship equals rebellion. And so if all we do as dads is that we're just disciplining our kids and and we don't have a relationship with them, then we're just gonna lead them further and further away. And that's why when we understand who God is, we see that God is one who draws near to us. Hey, draw near to me. And if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. I'm always there. We see, as John 1 tells us, that that, uh, God, that Jesus made his dwelling among us. He tabernacled with us. He came and he spent time with us. Why? So that we would have a relationship, so that we would be connected. And so it is our responsibility as dads to connect with the hearts of our kids. Proverbs 27, 23 says, Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. So there's a couple of just practical implications of this. One is just this. Hey, are you paying attention? Do you know your kids and their uniquenesses? Uh, I remember when Josiah was really, really little, I heard Jim Wimberly say this one time, and I've hung my hat on it for a long time. And so Jim is, uh, for those of you that don't know, Jim is uh, much further down the road than uh, most of us in this room. Uh, He's got grandkids, and I think shortly, probably his grandkids are going to have grandkids. And so uh, he told us one day, I, I just remember him telling Brandy and I, he said, look, if I had parenting to do all over again, I would have paid more attention to my children's sin struggles when they were young, and then I would have prayed to God for that. I would have prayed to God for that. And so when Josiah was about two or three years old, I remember I, I uh, took him out, and we got him his tricycle. Hey, buddy, let's go, and let's put you on a tricycle. And uh, and so uh, that dude uh, got on the tricycle. He gave it about one or two tries. Couldn't figure out how to push and you know uh, how to get his legs to move it. And he just threw a hissy fit. Basically, picked up the tricycle, threw it, and was like, "I'm out." And I just I, I remember for whatever reason, just thinking, I wonder if I it was shortly after I'd heard Jim say that. I was like, I wonder if that's going to be his sin struggle. So my buddy Josiah is now twelve soon to be 13. And can I tell you something? It ain't a tricycle anymore, but the same little irritant that is in under his skin that caused that reaction to his tricycle is the same thing that irritates him with schoolwork, with doing his chores at home, with just taking responsibility for things, working hard. He doesn't want to work hard. And so those are some things that I just go, man, if I I'm going to be a faithful father. I want to connect to that and understand that. And I want to pray like crazy. We do need to understand, going back to that first principle, that if our children are sinners, we are not their hope. That means that this is a spiritual battle and we must go to God and say, will you help? Will you do what I can't do? And so how are you praying for your kids? Uh, Just recently, a lot of us have started putting uh, little alarms on our phones to remind us to pray. And so right now in my phone, I have four alarms throughout the day set to kind of my kids' birthdays, and it goes off and it's just a reminder to pray for them. And so this is something I just started doing. So don't act like, oh, Wes has been doing this for 20 years. No, this just happened uh, a couple of weeks ago where I said, you know what, I'm praying for all these other things. Why am I not just being purposeful to pray for my kids? And so I have a list of things that I pray in those moments and just go, Lord, will you help me? So connect to your kids that way. And then the other thing is just, hey, are you having fun? Are you having fun? Is it always heavy handed? You see, fun is, fun is what helps us to get to those places where we can have those hard conversations. Those relationships help us so that we can go, hey, now we need to get serious. And so connect with your child. Understand what uh, they're interested in. Get interested in it with them. So godly discipline is calculated. It's connected. Number three is that it's clear. Number three is clear. Deuteronomy 30 is one of my favorite verses that I go to often. It just says this. It's uh, Moses talking. To the people, and he says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. He's representing God, I should say. Uh, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. And he goes on. God has set before us every day life and death. Every day he sets before us life and death. And then because he is a good and loving father, he tells us which one to pick. Choose life. Choose life. I've set before you, it's very clear, life and death. This comes at the end of him giving the law to his people for the second time. He goes, here, I've set before you life and death. I've told you what will lead to death. I've told you what will lead to life. And I'm begging you to choose life. And so here's the question that I ask myself often as a dad. Hey, have I set the expectations clearly in my home of where life can be found? And what ultimately will lead to death? What are those behaviors that I just go, hey, this is going to hurt you. This is going to hurt you. And if you do this, here are the consequences that I, as your loving father, am going to give to you. Okay, here are the natural consequences of that type of behavior. So hey, if you don't want to uh, do your homework, that's fine. Here's what's going to happen naturally at school and where your daddy will not bail you out. And so even... Uh, this is, uh, you know, the Lord is so kind to give us just practical examples, you know, about uh, 12 hours ago in my house, right? Where one of my kids was throwing a fit about something, and I just kept saying, hey, listen, here, here's what's going to happen. I'm just telling you what's going to happen. If this continues, this gets taken away, and this is the consequence for this weekend. I know you're really looking forward to this, but I just need you to hear me. So, I am setting before you today, life and death, and I'm asking you to choose life. I'm telling you what the win is here. Now, if you want to choose this, there are consequences. Do you understand me? And oftentimes, I'm saying those things to my kids, and I'm asking them to repeat back. What did you hear me just say? Well, you just said, and they make up something that I didn't say, right? Uh, No, that's not what daddy said. Let, Let me say it again. What did I say? What's going to happen? Okay, well, you said that I was going to lose my video game. For Yes. Yes, you are. Okay. Do we understand? Now, what choice would you like to make? And so are we being clear with our kids? Because God has been clear with us. He has given us his word. He's revealed himself to us. Whether we pay attention to it or not, it's not his fault. It's our responsibility. But are we clear? Number four here is just uh, controlled. That godly discipline is Controlled. Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so how are we doing at controlling our anger? And this is where I'll talk just very briefly about just this whole idea of physical discipline because oftentimes discipline comes to us and, uh, and if we are not being purposeful and intentional as we're talking about, what happens is we just react to the moment. And because we're sinners raising sinners, our sin struggles come out and anger starts flying around and all of a sudden our discipline is not for the good of our children. It's just so that I can feel better. It's just a It's just a rush. It's a rush of anger that I'm frustrated and so now I'm going to spank you or I'm going to uh, say some things to you that I shouldn't say, that I wouldn't normally say if I were being controlled by the Spirit of God. And now I've just provoked my kids to anger. And so as we think about discipline, discipline is not those moments where you just fly off the handle and slap your kid on the rear end. That's not discipline. That's for you. That's not for them. But if you are purposeful and you say, hey, you know what? We are going to use physical discipline. And we do believe in God's word. This is a biblical uh, uh, allowance for us as fathers and as mothers that we would use physical discipline. But the way that we use it, connecting with our child. Hey, do you understand why you're getting a spanking right now? Do you understand that mommy and daddy are not angry? We're not spanking you because we're mad at you. Okay? Why are you getting... I want to make sure that my children are connecting that. And so that's only going to happen as I am letting the Spirit of God control me, control my reaction. Uh, When I taught this back in Plano, I had just had a conversation. It was right before D-Town and I had a, uh, poor Josiah, I I owe him a lot of money for this morning, but uh, Josiah uh, had had, you know, one of those moments where he was just not being his best and I was so frustrated with him and out of my frustration at some point, I just go, well, if you keep doing this, you're not going to D-Town this weekend. He was going to D-Town guys. There's no way I'm not going to let my kid go to D-Town for his very first time. Why did I say that? And now I've dug a hole for myself, right? Oh, uh, I'm here. I just said that. What am I going to do? Well, I wasn't being led by the spirit. I wasn't being thoughtful. I wasn't being calculated. I was just kind of, again, just trying to do something to ease the tension that I felt in my own heart. So number four is that it's controlled. Number five is just that it's consistent. Godly discipline is consistent. James five twelve says, hey, let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you tell your kids when you leave in the morning, hey, because you did that, you have an early bedtime tonight, you better remember that because you can be sure that they do. And you can be sure that they're going to remember when you get home from work, and they're, but they're not going to remind you. Let's just be clear, okay? Hey, dad, remember how you told me I had an early bedtime? It's about oh, 6.30. What are you thinking? They're, they're not going to do that. And so for us, we want to be consistent that our yes is yes and our no is no. If there are consequences, then we need to follow through on those consequences. And so uh, godly discipline is consistent. And then the last one here is just this, that godly discipline is costly. It's costly. Hebrews 12, uh, 1 and 2, that's kind of the precursor to what we're Studying this morning, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. You see, the discipline of God is costly. It costs God. It costs God the life of his son. And it costs us. You know, uh, to take the time, it is far easier to react out of anger, slap a kid on the rear end and say, don't ever do that again. Right? That, that's easy. What's challenging is when I have to wait for my child to calm down so that they can tell me what it is that they've done that they're getting punished for so that I can explain to them that I love them, hug them, spank them, hug them again. That just, that takes time. It costs me time. It is costly when, uh, you know, for for us, we've had instances where, hey, there's a birthday party I know you really want to go to. And that all those people are counting on you being, you're one of their best friends. They want you to be there. And yet, we've told you very clearly that if this doesn't get done, here are the consequences. We were clear in that. And it costs us sometimes, and just I'm a people pleaser by nature. And so, gosh, that hurts for me to look at Scott Kadersha and say, hey, my kid isn't going to be at your boy's birthday party. That's hard for me because I want to please Scott. It costs me a little something. But if we are being loving and not abusive to our kids, not neglectful to our kids, it's going to cost us something. Another quote here from John Piper as we... Get ready to wrap up. He just says this. says Passive parenting is easy and bears bitter fruit. Faithful parenting demands sacrifice and self-denial. It is not guaranteed success. The best-reared children may rebel. God's did. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me, Isaiah 1-2. This is a great sorrow, but it is not the bitter fruit of parental neglect. That's a great statement. This parenting thing, because we live... Uh, post-Genesis 3, it it is hard ground to till. It is hard. There are thorns and thistles. It's really challenging. And so this isn't a statement of, hey, if you do this right, you will have no pain. No, it's hard. It costs you something. But I promise you that the pain that you experience of doing this discipline thing Uh, in God's way is far less painful than the bitter fruit of 20 years from now going, I neglected to discipline my child and here's where he or she has ended up. They may end up there with all of the perfect, that's what he's saying here, right? Even God's children rebelled against him. They may end up there and that's going to hurt, that's going to sting. But the added layer of regret is something that that I don't want to bear the weight of. And so one of the things that I think to myself often is, hey, am I parenting for the well done of my father or for the best daddy ever of my kids? Am I parenting for the well done of my heavenly father or the best daddy ever of my kids? See, kids, their opinion of what a best daddy ever looks like is gonna change literally every five minutes but God's way is true. It is ancient. It has stood the test of time and he is faithful. And so I never have to guess. I wonder what it looks like to be a faithful father. I can go to him and say, God, what does it look like for me to be a faithful father? Oh, it looks like this. Okay. Let me just do that because I want to live for your glory. Galatians 1 10. Am I living to please God or please man? I want to live to please God because I can't do both. My kids are going to be disappointed that I went God's way. That's okay. Let them be disappointed because I was faithful to God. And so just to wrap up, verse 11 of Hebrews 12 says this, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness so that to those who have been trained by it. And so principle number five is just this. Discipline is a process, not an event. It's a process. It's not an event. And there are several little events that are going to come, but this is a process. You know, when I go to Ethiopia, I'm there for, at, at most I've been there is two weeks. Do you know what I've never seen? I have never seen the seeds that they planted being plucked. Never. I haven't seen the onions come up or the coffee beans come up. Now, if I have, it's because they were already there. So somewhere I missed the process of them planting seeds because that's not a two-week process. They're not planting that. The rain falls, it sprouts up, and then they go and they take it to the market to sell. And we can't expect that either. We can't expect, expect that either. We don't discipline for results. We discipline for faithfulness. Faithfulness to God, to his word, to his way, so that our children might be blessed. So, I want to challenge you this week to, to think about that. Your homework for this week is uh, in the uh, kind of the last pages of this section. Your homework is to spend some time with your wife just evaluating hey, how are we doing at uh, discipline in our home? What does it look like? Is it honoring to the Lord? I would encourage you to take these six things and just go hey, it, it, are we thoughtful, calculated? Are we connected to our kids? Are we clear? Okay, And just take those six things and just go, hey, let's just evaluate. How are we doing? And how can we grow? And how can we be better? I have a ton of room to grow. I have a ton of room to grow. So I'm thankful for a God who is patient with me, a sinner, to discipline me and to help me. Let me pray for us. Okay, Father, thank you that, um, that you love us. Thank you, Lord, that we see that in the way that you discipline us. You're so kind to not allow us just to wallow in our sin, but to call us out of darkness into light. And so we thank you for that. And then, Lord, you have called us to be your ambassadors, to be your representatives to our kids and our homes of what it looks like for a loving father to discipline the ones that he loves. And so help us to be faithful in that. God, we confess to you that it is tricky. It is hard. It is confusing at times. And that, Lord, if you don't lead us by your Spirit, and if we are not Spirit filled and Spirit led, God, we're going to make a mess of this. And so, will you help us? Will you instruct us? Will you teach us the way that we should go? And we need you, God. So, thank you for these men. I pray, Lord, now as they just get a chance to talk about this at their tables, Lord, that um, just through that conversation, you might continue to sharpen us and help us, and Lord, uh, to raise up a generation of boys and girls who will become men and women who fear God, serve the King, and love like crazy. We pray in Christ's name, amen. All right, get to your table, spend some time talking about this, and we'll wrap you up here in a little bit. All right, guys, hey, uh, let me wrap up this morning real quick and uh, get you guys on to work and uh, all the other stuff the Lord has for you today. Hey, you know, one thing uh, I just wanna say as we we finish up today is just this. That first week, uh, Kyle talked about this uh, kind of, um, paradigm of, hey, model, train, pray, trust. And when we think about discipline, that uh, we are modeling for our kids what it looks like to be disciplined. And so we don't have parents watching over us anymore, hopefully, uh, who are telling us what to do and what not to do and what the consequences are for that. But we have a loving father who is. And so one of the questions I would encourage you just to evaluate in your own time with the Lord is, hey, how am, how am I responding to the discipline of the Lord? That comes to me through his word, through his people, and through his spirit. And and what am I modeling for my kids about what it looks like to live a disciplined life? Because again, they're paying attention to you. They're taking their cues off of you and seeing how you respond. To those things, and so let me just encourage you uh, to ask the Lord to help you and and to help me in that. So, uh, a couple of quick announcements. So next week will be our final week. Uh, I actually will not be here. I'll be in Fort Worth teaching over there uh, this same lesson uh, for them next week. So. This is my thank you, and, and uh, see you guys next time. Uh, but Todd will be here next week just to kind of wrap us uh, up uh, for these five weeks, and so you don't want to miss that uh, as he just gets to uh, – oftentimes people will say, hey, Todd is at his best when he's just in a room full of men and gets to charge them, and so I know it's going to be a great week uh, next week. So don't miss that. Again, all the audio and everything we're trying to post online and, uh, and make available for you guys. So if you're missing anything, if you've missed any of the previous weeks, be sure to go and check that out.